Hello, everybody. Welcome, welcome. Everybody take a seat now. Ushers, ushers, help them. Yes, we're all here in the garden. I've prayed for you to come today from wherever you are. Oh, your physical body's not here. I learned a long time ago that the spirit roams around. And it goes out of its physical body for many different reasons. Yes. It'll leave its body in trauma and abuse out of fear. Did I ever tell you, yeah, you guys, about the very first time that I had an out-of-body experience? I didn't. Well, let me tell you, before we get started, my first out-of-body experience, like you're having right now here today with me, Pastor Deborah in the garden was when I was about four years old. Yeah, I was a little one. Uh, my family was in the military, and I was getting ready to have my tonsils out because I had a lot of infections and tonsillitis due to allergies and many other things. And I can remember, don't know how it happened, had no clue, but I saw myself getting up off of a operating table with men standing around me and I saw sort of out of a distance myself running out of this room looked like an operating room down the hallway I was sort of like an observer to my own self I had this vision for years and years and years and never knew what it was I had no explanation about it Till I began learning how to help people the Lord's way. And I was shown, educated, and trained, and learned about the human spirit, the forever person, and how it leaves its body and has out-of-body experiences for many, many different reasons. And it was revealed to me by the spirit of truth that that was my spirit. It was frightened because of the surgery. The military doctors back then in the early 1950s were not very kind and joyful uh, to children. And there was a smell to what put us under. We didn't have propothal. We didn't have uh, IVs. We had these masks that you would put over your face and you would breathe in and I would breathe, breathe in ether. And it had a smell like overripe cantaloupes and I can remember for years and years and years I couldn't eat overripe cantaloupes the smell made me sick did not know why I could eat almost barely ripe cantaloupes but not ripe or overripe there was a smell to it that reminded me I didn't know why years later when I got into helping people the Lord's way God revealed to me that smell reminded my spirit and my deep recesses of my memories of the ether and a fearful time. And once I got the connection, I was able to pray against those fearful memories and have God take them away. Yeah, that was me. At four years old... And having the memories, you might call them flashbacks now. And the smell would be the trigger of an overripe cantaloupe. Yeah. So you don't have to have 
tremendous sexual abuse or wartime or military type of trauma. Okay? Fear is fear. And when that fear happens and a connection is made in the biological body and the mind, it can be broken and it can be loosed from you. And it can be taken away, destroyed. And a lot of times you need the knowledge of these two connections. I didn't have that for years and years and years. Overripe cantaloupes, fear, leaving my body when I was four. There was no connection. I had no knowledge. But once I started studying out-of-body experiences, which if you are going to help people the Lord's way, you must have that knowledge, that education. All of you here in the garden with me are already out of your body. And there's some wonderful stories I'll get to about how God taught me, how I got the experiences, how I learned Because I was learning to apply Isaiah 61, verse 8, to that part of us, the spirit, that was having the out-of-body experiences. Yeah. But before we begin this lesson, I believe it is lesson, let me look, it is lesson number 16. We are still working through this verse, verse 8. I never realized if you go slow and truly want to understand the Word of God at a deep, deep spiritual level, for this God who spoke to the Old Testament prophet, Isaiah, who was the instrument, the voice behind all of creation, the Holy Bible, all of what we believe is a God. I had to learn much. I had to learn about spirits of truth and spirits of ignorance. I had to learn about the real me, the spirit being, the forever person. Yeah, that's who's with me today, the real you. And we're here in this spiritual place here on planet Earth, the Garden of Eden, the place that God has protected and still does with flaming sword and a cherubim. Yeah. Now, there was a time when some icky thing came in disguise, got inside some serpent, and he made all of humanity disobey the commandment that was given to him. And he, this Adam and woman, were kicked out, as you know, out of this wonderful garden. And it took years of Pastor Deborah learning that it was still here, that it was a spot on the earth where God's presence was. Now, there's also a Garden of Eden inside of my spirit, yeah, and on earth. Did you know that the garden was to be multiplied, sent out, grown, and it was to cover the whole earth? Yeah, not what you, not what's outside the garden. That was not supposed to be here, and that is a result of death entering humanity brought in through this guy named Satan, the adversary of God. 
Yeah. But for today's teaching of Isaiah 61, verse 8, we were working through, and I will make an everlasting covenant with them, with the human spirit. Yeah. And we are slowly working through all that God has given me. Because you don't know, I spend a lot of time studying, looking up scriptures, being led by God, following out the scripture references, writing, looking, using the Webster's Dictionary to write these study notes. Yeah. And I've had personal experiences over, I don't know, 25, 30 years of experiences with and through Isaiah 61. Isaiah 61 and its partner, Isaiah 62, were my foundational scriptures to help you guys. Yeah. I had to know them. I wrote them out, wrote them out, quoted them, wrote them out, had to pray about it, had to be enlightened what they meant. Yeah. Because I had to be able to see what the heart of the Heavenly Father was for you. Yeah. Because I had to come along with his heart and with his mind and his purposes to help you. And that is what you call helping people the Lord's way. It's not through doing what a denomination of a religion says you are to do. And it wasn't to do anything in the natural, although eventually you will. Because from out of your spirit, out of your soul, your physical body will respond to the light that you get. I just listened to a precious, I don't know, something on LinkedIn, a little quick video. A person had a question for a sort of a teacher of the word. And he asked him, well, you know, I be, was one denomination, but... My parents were of another denomination. And how do I go back and what do I do? And, you know, and this teacher said, oh, well, all you have to do are these things in the natural body and quote a few things and that'll get you back. And he says, I don't understand that. He said, well, what about this other denomination? I've been a part. He said, oh. That's just clothes that you are wearing over the real you. The real you just needs to get back to doing some things physically and saying a few things physically. It's like taking off those old clothes and becoming and putting on the real you clothes. Now, I thought that was a good analogy about denominations and beliefs being close to the real you. Now, I made a comment on it because I thought it was wonderful. And it is excellent to see that the soul wears lots of different beliefs, concepts, ideas, clothes over the real you. And you don't even know yet who the real you is. Yeah, not until you have a Hebrews 4.12 that does a spiritual circumcision on your spiritual heart, that's your soul, cuts the top off, 
allows you, the spirit, to come on out like a moth out of a cocoon. And your spirit, the real you that's here, has an out-of-body experience from the soul. And it's freed like a butterfly that comes out of a cocoon. And now it's new. It's not the same form of creature that it was when it went in a caterpillar. And the Hebrews 4.12 is doing a spiritual circumcision on your soul to free your spirit. Yeah. And you have to have those. What? All of you would like to have a Hebrews 4.12? Okay, let's pray before we get started into our teaching. Dear Heavenly Father, all those that are here today in the garden and those that are listening from a distance and those that watch this video later father give them the hebrews 412 experience circumcise their spirit their forever person their spiritual the real them out of their soul out of the ignorance and darkness of the flesh the pride of life the lust of the eyes the lust of the flesh out of denominations, out of religion. Let it come forth as a new creature that can now hear your light, hear your words, and be renewed and refreshed in the Spirit by your words of spirit and life. We thank you, Father, for all those whose spirits are desiring to be free of their soul, their subconscious. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Wonderful. Yes, Pastor Deborah had that. Mm -hmm. I applied the scriptures to myself. When I would get the revelation, I would say, Father, I want that. That's for me. I need that. Yes, I had one early, early. Now, at the time of my first out-of-body experience, it is sort of like a fast, very speedily, immediately circumcision. Your spirit leaves your body through trauma, through fear, through abuse. And I had to learn a lot about that because I was going to be helping people who from the time they were even in the womb, because there's a, out of the Bible, we're told there's a silver cord that is attached from spirit to soul. As long as that stays attached, the physical body continues to live and the spirit is bonded to the soul, the physical body, and cannot leave and go to heaven or to hell. It has to stay. Now it can travel all around and that cord can get very long, but they don't depart the earth and the body die. But once that silver cord is uh, detached, broken, cut, and it's not repaired, then the spirit has to leave. Yeah. And I learned a lot about this because I had to study. I was working, going to be working with multi-generational Satanists and people who did horrendous abuse to children, even in the womb. And how they would do it is they would cause the biological heart to stop. So that actually killed the person or through uh, terrible abuse or drugs. And the spirit would start leaving. 
because this cord had been cut through, but they'd stop the heart or something. And then they'd shock the heart back or something, and the spirit would come back. They would do this constantly in their infancy and childhood. So leaving their body became normal. But God, as in my case, I was fearful. So abuse or fear will cause you to leave. I have a lot of other stories, but let's get on with this teaching today. Verse 8. And it says, and I will make an everlasting covenant with you. Now, before we start, I want to give you a couple of scriptures that will help us. Proverbs 25, 2. And it says, it is the glory of God to conceal a thing. That's sort of like the caterpillar that's inside the cocoon. That is truth that's inside of something. It's hidden away, maybe in the dirt, the darkness, okay? It's his glory. It's his right and it's his privilege to hide it. But the honor of kings, that's you guys, you are spiritual kings, you just don't know it, is to search out a matter. You're to go on a quest, yeah. No, you're to go searching, digging as archaeologists down into the foundations, down into the dirt. You're to be like a scientist looking under microscopes at things you cannot see. You're to be like an astronomer looking through those telescopes up into the stars. You're to be thinking, trying to find answers. Yeah. Do you do that? Your spirit maybe doesn't do that because it could be fearful. Just takes whatever's handed to it by the soul. Some souls are more seeking. They do seek science and try to solve problems and get answers and create new things. But that doesn't mean their spirit is. Yeah. But your spirit must become a seeking king. Deuteronomy 29, 29. The secret things belong unto the Lord. There's some secret things. Knowledge. That the Lord has. That he wants to give to you. But he won't force it on you. He won't openly give it to you. If he did. He would be like a rapist. He would be forcing his knowledge and truth on you. When you are not looking for it. And you don't want it. That's what a rapist does. He would be abusing you. Traumatizing you. Because you are not seeking, you are not looking, and you don't want it. That's why a lot of times he speaks in parables, fairy tales, stories, through movies, through poems, through pictures and art, through nature. Until your heart, your spirit, desires to see God everywhere and in everything, and to know answers. Until your spirit gets to the point where it says... I'm not satisfied until I know the truth, until your eyes can see spiritually. But as long as you were in your soul and not had had the Hebrews 4.12, all you could see was the flesh. You couldn't see the spirit. I ran into that with this precious lady. We would both look at a rose, a pink rose outside. She would see a beautiful flower, a rose, 
beautiful pink color and petals and said, oh, that's a beautiful flower. I would look at it, the same flower, with my eyes of the Spirit, and I would see God. I would see God's beauty, God's greatness in his creation, his softness, but his protection, his variety of colors, his creativity. I would see him speaking, and I could hear him. The flowers would talk to me. Pine cones talked to Pastor Deborah. I got a great story about the pine cones talking to me when I would walk. Flowers would speak to me, and they would speak to me and sing to me of him. So I would look at the same object and see God. I would hear God's voice. I would see God's love, his great mind of creation. I would see the flower reaching up to the sun as it's praising and worshiping God, reaching for nutrients from the sun. I saw the beauty of God to design, create this beautiful flower. All this other lady saw was a pretty, earthly, biological rose. A flower. That was all. What was the difference? My spirit was seeking. It was looking for God everywhere. It was listening. It was seeing that nature was a reflection. It could talk to me. Yeah, even animals, bugs. No. Those secret things that are hidden away, she wasn't looking. She just wanted to be entertained and see beautiful things to her natural eyes of the flesh that's all and as long as that's all she wanted that's all she got so he says here in deuteronomy 29 the secret things belong unto the lord our god that means god means self-sustaining creator the word lord means owner by rights of creation yeah but those things which are revealed that he wants to reveal to you, if you're seeking, belong unto us and to our children forever. He revealed it to me. I'm revealing it to you. You reveal it to your children. Yes. Why did he? does he do this? So that we may obey what we're seeing in nature, that we may reflect, shine out, All this knowledge and truths and words that we see, that I can teach about this rose, contrast it to a flesh, and we have two humans looking at one thing and seeing one in just the pure flesh, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and looking with the soul, the subconscious, and me looking with the eyes of my Hebrews 4, freed spirit, looking for God in everything and listening for him to talk to me and listening and looking. Two totally different kinds of people. And I had to get where I was because I was going to help people in the spirit who were having out-of-body experiences moving all around, going into trees, into animals, into people, hanging out right out in my Perdido Bay in the water, hanging out in bushes, going into pastors, into preachers, into people for me to pray for them. Yes, Uh, they would all come through one person on the phone, and I would have multitudes of people. Yeah, 
I had to learn quick because God was in a hurry to help you guys. And I had to learn. So all of this is for you. But it is also for you to help others. All right. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you again for all those that you have brought here. For you said the harvest is your work. I am a laborer that you have found, trained, educated to be about your business. And we are here in the spirit doing your work. And that you are the teacher and that your spirit, the Holy Spirit, will come forth and teach and reveal to these precious spirits who you have brought here. To all who watch this video later. And you will reveal to them those hidden things that you desire for them to know. We thank you. In the name of Jesus. Amen. All right. We had finished up and we had just started getting into more about this everlasting covenant that God wanted to make with us that he already had. We had been working through some scriptures. We had gotten into Jeremiah 32. 37 through 41 and we had just finished 41 and I'll review that for you in verse 41 God was telling Jeremiah yes I will rejoice over them to do them good he says and I will plant place them in this land that I'm showing you my kingdom in the Old Testament Israel did not know about the spiritual part. They were dead spiritual beings to God. They were just flesh creatures. But he was demonstrating in the flesh, the natural, what he was going to do in the spiritual. But they couldn't understand it yet. They didn't have that new spiritual heart yet to see with the eyes of their spirit. They were just flesh creatures, as this lady was with the rose. That was all. He says, I will give you this land, my kingdom, my presence, my land assuredly, with my whole heart and my whole soul. So God was going to do something for humanity, brought Israel out of Egypt, that salvation, out of bondage, out of darkness. And remember, they'd been there for over 400 years. They didn't know who God was. So when the Spirit comes forth out of a Hebrews 4.12 and it starts believing in God, it doesn't know him yet. You're like the Israelites of the Old Testament. Your soul is still the ruler and king and you live by your past customs and culture and traditions and family and fear and the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh and the pride of life. That's where you are. Even though your spirit now is out. Okay. It has to learn. It has to grow. It has to feed on spiritual truth. In this one. Part number. Let's see. Excuse me for looking down. Part number 16. We're going to pick back up with Jeremiah 31. 31 through 34. And verse 32. He says, I am going to do some things, not according to the covenant, the agreement that I made with their fathers. These were the ones who 
first came out of Israel. In the day that I took them by the hand to bring them up out of the land of Egypt. Egypt represented spiritual bondage, oppression, death, separation. And he said, I made a covenant with them, but I'm going to make a new one as we're going now into the land. It's sort of like when you were an infant. The covenant is, I'll feed you, change your diaper, take care of you. Then as you start growing, I'll make a new covenant with you. Go clean your room. I'll maybe give you some chores to do, and if you do it, I'll give you an extra something to eat or some money. Then as you get a little older, there's more covenant sort of deals that our parents make with the children that go along with each stage of growth and responsibility that's happening to us. And eventually we become adult and we go, okay, I have a covenant to go to work and get paid. I have a covenant with my children to be a good mother. I have a covenant with my partner to be a good spouse. I have a covenant with the earth to care for it. So all along humanity's lifespan, covenants are made. And we see that in the natural with parents and children. And he says, my covenant, that first group of people, when you first get saved, that soul part of you will break the covenant that God gives you. Because you cannot hold to it. It's not renewed. It is not transformed. Although I was like a husband to them, the soul became an adulterer to God. It went and served other gods, built a golden calf, served it, danced before it, got naked. Okay, we do the same thing. Our soul is going to serve the oldness. And God says, but I'm trying to reach that part of you too. Through the Spirit. And he said, I gave a covenant to them. I was like their husband to them. Caring for them. Providing for them. Giving them food and shelter and protection. Out in the wilderness. Yeah. I did the battles for them. I fought for them. I watched over them by my pillar of fire. My pillar of cloud. Yeah. But they became adulterers to him. And he was a partner with them. But when Moses went up on the mountain to get the new spiritual and natural laws of this God versus Egypt, he was gone about 40 days. And they wanted to worship the God that brought him out of Egypt. Remember, he had not revealed himself to them yet. He could talk to Moses, but nobody else... They thought it was a cow. So they built a golden calf and they worshiped and they sacrificed either human or animals to it. Because they were taught in Egypt you sacrifice to gods, which is a perversion of what was coming. It was like that seed was going to be in there. So they killed something and then they got up and danced and partied, did a lot of things they shouldn't do. So... He said, I made a covenant with them, but they broke it. Now we're going to go to Deuteronomy 1.31. And here is what a husband does. Verse 31. And that in the wilderness where you have seen how that the Lord, your God, bore you, carried you, provided for you, as a man does 
He bears and he carries, he endures, he provides for his son in all the way that you went, he says, until you came to this place. He was relating that he was like their husband not and sort of a father to them. This was the first covenant that he had made with their flesh. They weren't a house yet. They weren't a nation yet. He was just showing himself, I'll provide for you. He brought them food. He healed them. He guarded them. He protected He killed the Egyptians who came after them in partnership with Moses. So he is trying to explain to him what all good things he did for him. Now you go off and worship another God that you say did all this when it was me. And it was a cow. You're saying a cow did all this for you. But that's the old soul that you will revert back to under times of pressure and fear. You'll go back to what it knows. Now let's go to Jeremiah 31. 31 through 34. Verse 33. But this shall be the covenant that I will make with this house, this people, this nation of Israel. God was trying to take a scattered group. It had been original family, Israel and his 12 sons. He's trying to make a nation out of them. What did that mean? A group of people that had a government from this God that was unlike any other nation and government on earth. And he was going to bless them through their obedience to that government's covenant, the Ten Commandments. Then other nations like Egypt and everybody else would look at them and see how their God is blessing them. And they would desire to be under that God's government and in his nation that he calls his house, his family, his household. And be in partnership with him. And let him be as a husband to them. A God. So he says, I will make with this nation, this house of Israel, after those days. That other covenant's gone. And I'm going to have to let those people die in the wilderness who did the cow thing. Can't change them. Their will is too strong. Remember, they're not spiritual creatures yet. I can't change the soul. I will let them die. I will keep their clothes from wearing out. I will feed them, but they will grow old and die. I will get the children, the next generation, out of them. And with them I will make this new covenant. And here's what he says. I will put my law in their inward parts. Yeah, in your spirit. Mm Mm-hmm. And write it, my law, not on those tablets of stone for the flesh, but write it in their hearts, inside their soul it's going to be written, and inside their spirit, and will be their God. I will be their God. This law that I'm going to put inside of them, right inside of them. Now that's a total different than the old covenant. And they shall be my people. Mm-hmm. So he's saying, I'm going to make a new covenant now. The one I had with those people in the flesh, 
that I originally brought out, they cannot, they're not going to be able to be used. I can't make the covenant, the agreement with them. They must die. And they did. The children come up and he says, I'll make a new covenant with this new generation. It's sort of like if you are a person that's older and you're set in your ways and you aren't going to budge. And God wants to come in and do new things and your denomination isn't going to allow it to happen. Or you want to still stay in a back in the ancient days of your beginnings. God says, I can't use you. I will have to wait for the next generation to come. And I will do this new covenant, this new thing inside of them. Yeah, so that's what he's telling us. And that takes us over to Psalms 40, verse 8. And this is King David speaking to us long down the road from when we were in the wilderness, first saved. And he says, I, King David, speak, I delight to do your will. Oh, my God. Just stop right there. Do you delight to do the will of this God of the Holy Bible? David is speaking. He still does not have the Holy Spirit residing in him. But he's now gotten the laws in his spirit. Even though his spirit is still encapsulated in the cocoon. How does a little caterpillar know to build a cocoon around itself? What is going on on the inside? Yeah, changes are happening. A new life form is being created. Yeah, God is showing us through that. When you are still in your, encapsulated by the soul, I haven't had your Hebrews 4.12. I can work as I work inside with the caterpillar. For I have set laws in there. And I can write my laws even in there. And when you just and when it gets strong enough, I'll give you that Hebrews four twelve, and you will come out of your cocoon, and be this butterfly, this king, this spirit, that I desire you to be. So David goes, yes, your law, is written, in my heart, in my mind. It's there. How does it get there? You read the word. David would sit and listen. Now remember, David's training was a shepherd. He was sort of not a part of his family. He was out in the wilderness with his father's sheep, watching over them, protecting them, listening to God in the trees, seeing him in the rainbows, the rain, the watching for the bears and the lions, protecting the sheep. When you get away from your family, where and you take isolation, a lot of nuns and monks and fathers and priests do that. I just did it this morning. I sat in a chair. was quiet. And I just talked to God. Prayed for things in the future to be positive. Prayed for people. Prayed for situations. Took some time out. There's times in your life when you are very busy in the world. The only place you can go to have a time with the Lord is in your car. Or maybe sitting on the toilet. Yeah. Or maybe in your dreams, because your life is busy. Then you'll have seasons. Pastor Deborah had seasons of staying at home, being healed, not being a part of the community, not going out to meetings. And then I would have a time of going out in the community, and then a time when that ended. 
Now I have a time doing my recording, which now I have had a lifetime, probably 30 years, training, education. And my work is in the realm of the spirit now. Yeah. Guiding and shepherding people and helping them to get where I had become. So he says, David says, you've written the law in my heart, in my mind. David did not grow up in Egypt in bondage. So sometimes those that first generation, they are so ingrained in whatever they're doing, maybe a faith, rituals, culture, cannot use them. They will not change. Their will is set against God's will and change. Too fearful. But the children, those are the ones. And you'll see that in every system where concepts and ideas and philosophies are invading schools, the educational system, all the way from kindergarten all the way through universities after their minds. The old people... They thought they're already gotten. And most of them are stuck in a rut in their political party, in their faith, their denomination, their traditions. And all they're trying to do is eat and work and that's it and have some pleasure, have some sex. And they don't care about the next generation. And then they do bad things and they cover it up. They don't care. They're into lust of the flesh. And what happens is God says, I can't use you. I'll go to the next generation. Now let's go to Ezekiel eleven nineteen. Ezekiel eleven nineteen says, And I will give them one heart. That means one mind. What we have in this Ezekiel system is the mind of the soul, the subconscious. And we have the mind of the spirit. They are one, but they're both a mess. And he is saying, I've got to do something with that system. I need the spirit to be the head and have that mind. And then tell the subconscious, the soul, who's to be the helpmate. It's not to have its own mind and thoughts and concepts and ideas. It is to be in obedience to the spirit. The spirit is to get all of its guidance, laws, commands, everything from this Holy Spirit, the God. All right. But he says, I will give them one heart, one mind. He says, and I will put a new spirit within you. The old spirit has to depart and a new one has to come in. That's death right there. Mm -hmm. And I will take the stony hard, cold, dead, carnal heart, mind, out of your flesh. Mm -hmm. Your flesh, your biological body, has a stony and hard and cold, unmovable, unbendable, carnal, just wants pleasure and sex. I'm going to take that thing out. That's a mind slash heart. And I'm going to have to put the spiritual And will give them a heart of flesh. That means I will give you a spirit and a soul that's bendable. It's soft. It's centered on me. Not on the flesh's desires, the lust of the eyes, but on my kingdom and me. 
lot of stuff. He says, this is the new covenant I'm going to make with them. Can't make it with the old generation. If you notice, some people, they're unmovable. Traditions. This is the way I was raised up, and this is what we were trained in my family, and that's what we're going to do. And they normally would, my stories are powerful about teaching your children what you knew, okay, from your parents and your way of growing up. Well, maybe that needs to change. Maybe you've got some issues, and you're passing that on, and you don't even know it. All right, so let's go to Psalms 51, 10 through 12. This is King David still talking to us out of the Old Testament. Create in me a clean heart, he says, a pure and undefiled heart, O God, and renew and restore a right Holy Spirit within me. Your spirit has got to cry that out. Your soul has got to go, I'm a mess. I need a new spirit in me. I need a clean, undefiled, unfleshy, un- that just doesn't seek sex and pleasure. I need a new heart, God. You must cry that out. Verse 11 Cast me not away from your presence. That's the Spirit. Most of you have been cast away from his presence because of your old stony heart, and you lived in that, like the Israelites at the mountain with the cow. Your stony mind of your subconscious, hard flesh, that's where you lived, and your spirit was stuck there. And it was separated from his presence. And David is crying, take me not away from that. And don't take your Holy Spirit from me. David was having relationships. He could feel the presence of God when he was out with the sheep. Out alone. But when he became king and there's war and there's opportunities for sex with Bathsheba and many different wives and just treachery. He knew that the Holy Spirit could leave from his presence. And the story goes that David had this tendency, he played a lyre, I think they call it, and he would quote a lot of his poems, which we call Psalms. And the presence of the Lord came. So he was used mightily. So he's asking, please don't leave me. Do you do that? Do you love his presence so much that you don't want it to leave you? Verse 12, restore unto me the joy of your salvation you gave me. The joy of being freed from Egypt. The joy of this new covenant. The joy of you writing your laws in my spirit. The joy of being in your house and your family. And uphold me with your free spirit. Your Holy Spirit. Do you pray that? That's what David did. Yeah. How come everybody's heads are bowed? Dear dear Heavenly Father, during this time right now, When your spirit is working 
on these precious little ones that you brought. Father, you know what their hearts are crying out to you as King David did. Father, answer their hearts' cries to you, to their spirits right now. Father, do your work that only you can do. Father, set these little ones free. Take out that stony heart out of their flesh. Give their spirits which you desire to give them. Write that law in their heart and give them the desire to never be out of your presence. And Father, as you're working, do whatever you need to do with their spirits. Strengthen them. Father, we're going to end right here while you are working with them, with their heads bowed. We will pick up in this teaching, but Father, this is your work. You are bringing in your harvest. You are birthing your children new. You are bringing in the newness of this covenant to them. And you are fulfilling your own words of Isaiah 61, verse 8, where you will make a new covenant with them. Father, do your work. While their heads are bowed and the tears are flowing, Father, this is a spiritual work that you must do and are doing. And Father, I end here in your very presence in the garden with these millions, millions, and millions of people that you have drawn here today. In the name of Jesus, amen. Father, I'm going to quietly end now. And just be in his presence and let him do his work of cleaning you and putting his laws in your heart. And taking out that stony heart. Just stay in his presence, Father. They are yours. Bring them back next time in the name of Jesus. Everybody stay quiet. Let him do his work in your spirit. And when he's finished, he will escort you with his angels back to your physical bodies. Love everybody. Stay right there. Don't move. Just stay in his presence. And he will do his work that he's called you here to do because you have asked him. Yes. Bye. Bye, everybody. See you next lesson. Thank you for listening and watching this video. It is an honor and a pleasure to have you stopped by today and watch. This is Pastor Deborah, and I hope you come again and watch many, many more videos and learn and grow spiritually. And hear how she has helped people spiritually, the Lord's way, for many, many years. Come again, watch another one. And we welcome you to be a subscriber to the channel, to make comments, and if you wish to contact Pastor Deborah, please email her at her email address for the ministry at Pastor Deborah at agapeloveishere.org. You can also see these videos on Twitter and on the website in the many different sections that they are put into. Enjoy, and it was once again an honor to have you watch and listen. Thank you, and come again to another video of Agape Love, Love is Here Ministries, a ministry of helping people the Lord's way.
that Pastor Deborah has been doing for many, many years. Love always and forever, Pastor Deborah.